Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshall, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport.nationalworld.com as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. And if you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Yorkshirepost.co.uk So, uh, let's first start by looking at Leeds United in the Premier League, uh, who, after the departure of Jesse Marsh, um, the Whites had back-to-back games against Manchester United, um, and they were able to claim a point uh, from the six that were available. Um, What did you make of the two performances, um, uh, Stuart, and how can we see them going into their upcoming game against fellow strugglers, which... Uh, it, this is quite an important one, uh, as it's Everton. Yeah, well, I mean, the two performances were were very encouraging. Um, I mean, I suppose there's, there's two ways of, of looking at it. You know, on the positive side, particularly at Old Trafford, it was nice to see them playing with a bit of width and sort of, you know, maximising the players they have in, in that position. Um, you know, did, did really well to get to get 2-0 up. Um, sort of partially weathered the storm to 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 see out of two old draws. So it, you know it, it was good to see the quick impact Michael Scabala had on them as uh, as caretaker coach, and they they just looked a little bit freed up. Um, how much of that was down to what he did? How much of that was just down to the sort of natural reaction you you often get when a manager changes was was hard to see and uh, hard to say and then you know and then a, a, another good performance you know for 80 minutes they they matched Manchester United again at Ellen Road and just it just sort of got away from them in the last 10 minutes so you know those were the sort of positives I guess I guess the only negative is that we've said that an awful lot about Leeds this season though you know they played well they played well in two games but they only got one point to show from it so that's that's the bit they've got to crack in these games coming up because obviously it was understandable against Manchester United, the form that they're in. You, you weren't expecting them to, to go there and get two victories. But against Everton and Southampton, they really need to, you know, they really need to make those games count. I would say, you know, four points at least uh, from from those matches is is what's required. But clearly Skubala showed enough to the board that, you know, when they're struggling to to find a permanent uh, replacement for Jesse Marsh. They've had the confidence in him to ask him to take both those games. And I, I just think the um, the certainty of knowing who's going to be in charge, not just for Everton, but for Southampton, were, was important for them. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, I think some positive signs um, going forward. But, you know, we've had a lot of positive signs, a, a lot more positive signs from Leeds in the last couple of months than we have points. It's, it's, it's time they address that. I think it's. I think Stuart's right. I think in terms of performance, there was there was certainly bits to take from you know the two games against Manchester United. I don't think too many people would have given Leeds much of a chance of getting anything really. I think some may have thought, well, they might they might get a draw at um, Ellen Road, and didn't particularly think that they'd have much chance at um, Old Trafford. So it, it sort of worked in the other way around. Uh, other way around, really. Encouragement, but it's so you know you get into the point of the season in, in all divisions, really, and you know the, the runnings in, in view, and obviously things are, are really taking shape at both ends of the table. It, it doesn't the greatest will in the world. It doesn't particularly matter how Leeds play in the next next couple of games. Obviously, the, you know games against Everton and Southampton massively speak for themselves. They're bigger than the, the Manchester United games. Uh, yeah, I know historically there's, there's obviously a thing between the clubs, but it, you know in the here and now, massive, massive games for Leeds, and uh, yeah, it'll be a he's he's certainly done well in some respects. Um, Scabala has brought things together. He's by all accounts he's he's a sharp tactical mind. The players enjoy working with him, but uh, but you know with the greatest respect going to 
uh, you know, really parochial um, Goodison Park where everything will be on on top of Leeds. I did the fixture last last season, and um, you know, it was it was a, a, a mental battle as much as anything for Leeds. The supporters, the Everton supporters, were were massively up for it. It was a real cold, and on the day, Leeds were like rabbits in the headlights. They were out fought, they were outrun, you name it. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Scabala and his and his rookie coaching team deal with that. You, you can do all the the coaching seminars and, and presentations and work on the training ground that you want, but this this examination at Everton will will serious bloody be the real thing. I mean, one good thing for Leeds is that they're not having to to learn another coach's way of working this week. I mean, obviously, the ideal for Leeds and, and what Leeds was to get manager in as soon as Jesse Marsh uh, was sacked. But for for various reasons, they haven't been able to get... Yeah, exactly. They didn't get their ducks in the row. They, they haven't been able to get the man they wanted. So at least at least that, that, that little bit of continuity this week's coach is this week's coach. Um, full, and as we said, you know, he, he did... It, 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 he, he did clearly have a have a have a. He came across very well, you know. Oh. They talked before and after the game, but what actually happened in the games more far more. You know, he does look a he he does look a, a very switched on. It is always a bit bit. Uh, in these early weeks, you know, you look at you look at Bournemouth under Gary O'Neill. Just the effect of a of a change of manager and how much can be lasting, and it, it would be reassuring for Leeds to have to have that to have somebody confirmed from from now until the end of the season. So hopefully, uh, they can have a good couple of weeks, and then the response to that can be, well, you you know, Michael Scavala has done so well, well, we'll we'll give it to him for, to to the end of the season, um, because it's it's the uncertainty that that, that causes uh, causes problems really. Hmm. It's just about buying time, Stuart, isn't it? Really, yeah. In some respects, the worst possible thing is if Leeds don't get result, and Southampton, the the, the the sort of mood music and the noise on on social media will it'll just be on it really, and it'll it'll put force massive pressure on the Leeds board to, or to you know, you know, conversely, if they, if they do take. Um, four points from the next two games. Say that that does buy buy time, doesn't it? And they can see something. Um, obviously backing up the two good performances against Manchester United with you know the hard currency of, of getting getting some points. But obviously, time will tell. They're, they're obviously in, in the background conversation with representatives and sadly now various uh, uh, candidates. For the for the sensible, they've obviously looked at, at some interim appointments after obviously after last week and you know, efforts getting um, Ariola and and um, the guy from Holland in. Well, they've had to reassess a sensible option. He's going with 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 Scabala, given the impact for the time being, given the impact. The, you know the acid test for him will come in the in the next two games. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it, when a new obviously we'll, we'll talk about this with regards to the championship later on. But when a new manager comes into the relegation, into a relegation battle, you know, you look at Everton and Southampton. Sean Dyche comes in, and Sean Dyche's reputation means that everybody believes in him instantly. Uh, yeah. And then you look at yeah. Southampton, and Nathan Jones comes in, and much as he's done a good job in the championship. The fact that he's never done it in the Premier League means everyone's a bit unsure of him. So, if you if you bring in a manager as Kabbalah is without that reputation, they then need to sort of win people over with what they do on the training ground and what they do on the match day, and and that takes time. And obviously, points are being competed for in the in that period of time. So that's the sort of challenge. But I say if you, if you can get through this four four game stretch and have got got the players and the fans believing that actually this guy. Knows what he's doing, and we can go somewhere. Then, then, then that's massive. But it's it's just a question of of how long that takes, because you know every every week that goes by, that's another you know few points that 
have been you know opportunities to win a few points that have been passed up so you can see why at this time of year clubs like Everton like Huddersfield as we're going to talk about later want these these managers who have instant respect rather than having the time to allow an up-and-coming manager like Scabala to to sort of win it I think it's been more, a little bit more straightforward for Everton and Southampton in some ways, but it's obviously Leeds have, have gone. Their initial plan is to go for for people in in work, isn't it? Isn't it, Stuart? And yes. They, Everton have looked at it. By all accounts, the the, uh, the owner was keen on Marcello Bielsa. Obviously, Bielsa, Bielsa had contact with them basically. So look, I'll take the twenty ones for the rest of the season. You know, everyone knows about getting uh, to new clubs and having the summer to really get his ethos across. So that will need to work out. But the, obviously the other uh, the other choice on a totally different footballing level in Spectrum, the pragmatic choice, was a man out of work in Sean Dice. So it was relatively uh, straightforward for them. There's obviously Southampton as well, the situation there. How intriguing would that be? Jesse Marsh going back to uh, his former place of work just, just three weeks after, or less than three weeks after being... But Southampton have ident- clearly seen that Marsh is out of work. They identified um, his, his way of way of playing that sort of ties in a little bit with how you know Hassan and Pukul, his his teams played and the, the same background with, with Red Bull etc. So they've sort of ready made candidate out of work. It's you know, a bit more problematic for Leeds, and they're having to to think on having to think on the on the hoop a little bit more. We wanted to people being um, ruled, ruled out the bottom line is time will tell if Leeds can get a couple of results just buys everyone that bit of time doesn't it yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's starting to look in hindsight as though they panicked and jumped a bit too, too, too soon with Jesse Marsh not in terms of you know whether they should or shouldn't have sacked him but the fact that they hadn't really thought about thought deeply enough about what was next you know they yeah. they did it they did it very well in terms of the speed with which they went from Bielsa to Marsh um, yeah. They just haven't been able to replicate that, and and I say it, it could be it could be damaging. Hopefully, um, hopefully the fact that they've already got a good coach in the building in Scabala sort of mitigates that. Time will tell. Yeah, I think I think it smacks of a possibly a little bit of a, a, a panic, doesn't it? Really, Stuart. Yeah, I think we, we've spoken about Marsh a lot. He's obviously been he was backed in in the transfer market and. You know, I think clearly in, a, in an ideal world that they didn't want to dispense with his services. Very much damaged the ball, but ultimately, and the numbers game couldn't couldn't be dressed up, and they had to act after the after the Forest match. So yeah, I think it's uncertain behind the scenes, and obviously last last week was for them. And uh, next, we turn our attention to the Championship, um, where we first take a look at Middlesbrough, who claimed all three points in their 3-1 victory against Cardiff City. Um, Michael Carrick and his side uh, have been continuing their terrific run of form, uh, which has set them well on their way to the playoffs. Um, How can we see them going into their uh, next game, which is against QPR, Leon? Yeah, I mean, it looks... A, a good game on on paper, if if you can say that in the in the championship. I mean, it's it's gloriously un, unpredictable, isn't it? Obviously, we at the Middlesbrough a massive game for them at, at Sheffield United in midweek. It'd be fascinating to see if they can, as well as they've done under under Michael Carrick and and, and Lord, they have done well, haven't they? You know, Eleven wins in in fifteen games, still awaiting that that big. Um, scout for me. I know that I know the the one at Norwich, but the a dip in form. Then it was a final, final sort of um, stage of, of Dean Dean Smith's tenure, as good as one as that was. You know, they've gone to Burnley and, and lost, and gone to Sunderland that lost two form teams. So interesting to see what what happens there. But yeah, it's a good game for um, you would think for for medals, but the, the the home form has been has. Michael Carrick, they won five in a row. Some decent scouts there. They've beaten Millwall, they've beaten uh, Watford and uh, Am Luton. So, yeah, it's just about it's just about taking care of uh, business from from their end, really. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there is a coach who's who's been brought in early enough to sort of, you know, the fact that he came in before the World Cup break was probably, uh, although the revival had started, probably important in sort of nailing down the the principles and getting them to play the way they want to play. But, but as Leon says, you know, speaking before the the bigger tests are still to come. The next away game after that is West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what they're made of. We saw, we saw last season them, them go on a, on a run under Chris Wilder, which, you know, I think around sort of this time last year, I think yeah. we were all absolutely convinced that they were going to not only make the playoffs, but have a good, you know, do, do really well. In, um, it's kind of a bit of a wait and see, period just to find out what this this team is made of but you know so far um they've responded really well to the to the challenges put put in their way Carrick seems to have a really good eye for how he can get more out of certain players obviously you know most famously Chubarak Pom but you know people like uh, Force as well and uh, and Magree uh, you know he's he's used them really well um so this is going to be a real uh, a really key period to to see what they're what they're made of, but there's been so much good so far that you know if they were to have a, a, a couple of bad results in those games, you, I don't think you could judge them too too harshly. You know, I can I can certainly think of one, one Middlesbrough fan who was saying to me, you know, while they were in caretaker control, he'd, he'd happily take uh, take fifty points from the season. That was all he was bothered about. And now, you know, you look at it and uh, and, we're, and we're we're looking very strongly at that promotion. I think he's done obviously done some great work on on the training run, but I think his I think his mentality as well. You know, he, he's he's very calm. He's he doesn't particularly jump through hoops um, when when the win games carry. But on the other side of the coin, he doesn't get too despondent uh, when they lose. Obviously, he had the big cup defeat uh, to Brighton, but he was he was very calm and, and reasons reasoned in his utterances afterwards. I think that probably speaks a lot of his mentality as a player. He's, you know, he's played at one big club in, in Tottenham and one giant it's, it's always it's a cliche, but it's it is always about the the next game. And you know, for Manchester United, comes to the next big game. They're all big games, so you know he has that. Um, I mean, too much energy and sort of emotional focus if you like on on games in his stride and that you know that's another thing that has been impressive about yeah. you know players who weren't necessarily under Chris Wilder the people like you know Marcus Force and, and Tuber Atbom you know obviously Aiden Hayden Hackney as well he's he just from nowhere and he, he looks he looks to be one of the you know Midfielders in the in the division already. So, but, but yeah, I like I like the cut of Carrick's jib as in, uh, uh, his work on the training ground, excellent. But I, I think his his man management as well is is pretty shrewd, and he's obviously learned from the best in, in Sulawesi. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next, we turn our attention to Sheffield United, who, after their comfortable three 0 victory at home to Swansea City. Uh, have now made themselves fairly comfortable in the top two. Um, is it safe to say that the Blades are now inching closer and closer to a return to the Premier League, Stuart? Um, yes, it, it definitely is. I mean, as I say, we are saying this before the Middlesbrough game. That might that might make some of these some of these comments look a little bit daft, but certainly going into that game, it just feels like there's a relentlessness about about that team you know there's there's lots of problems at that football club um you know in terms of the financial issues and the uh on you know the situation with the with the takeover we don't know if that's going to happen yet and and all this sort of thing but the actual front of shot the football team just continues to churn out results you know seems almost impervious to everything that's going on in the background and to the sort of injuries that are ha- happening closer to home. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's really impressive to see. I think, you know, um, Leon talks about Michael Carrick's unflappability. Again, I think I think Paul Heckingbottom's yeah. um, yeah. character has been absolutely essential in that. You know, he's very much a, 
no excuses mentality, just get on with it. But he's also he's also very much, you know, not one to get carried away by the by the good or the bad. And I think that is is important. I think you see that in in a lot of the top managers. You know, there's the odd there's the odd fiery one like Conte, for example. But by and large, they're all of that sort of ilk where you, you almost you almost don't notice a difference of uh, in them, at least in public, from uh, from a defeat. Um, to a victory, and and I think that steadiness is 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 really, you know, reaping rewards for for Sheffield United. And you know, if if there was to be a stumble, whether it be against Middlesbrough, whether it be against Millwall, Watford, who you know, whoever coming up, you feel like they would regain their footing pretty yeah. quickly, as they did after the Rotherham defeat, uh, and get on with it. And I say with with the with the cushion they've got at the moment, don't don't want to jinx anything, but it, it is getting really hard to see how they won't get promoted. Yeah, they just look a look a team for all, all seasons, Stuart, don't they really? They've they spoken, you know, many times about everything that's that's been thrown at them, you know, the all the COVID issues last season, stuff with the training ground, all the off off the field stuff at the minute. The injuries never seem to have died down, do they? They've mm. they've always been you know, the three, four, five players not playing and just utilise the squad. Brought one or two people in as, as well from within. You know, look at Daniel Jebison the other week. Obviously, he, he he was the match winner against Hull. And there's just so much to like about the Sheffield United. They're really, a really strong dressing room. Some some terrific players who were playing at the at the top of their um, Top of the game, and I think as well, looking at the the league table, was obviously a lot. There was a lot of noise before the middles began about about the gap between second and third. But you know, I think there's a little bit of little bit of a fight going on between you know Sheffield United and and, and Burnley, who you know who can who can all, two sides who've been remarkable this season in many respects. Which one's going to lift the silverware? You know, obviously Burnley dropped points. Uh, for the first time in God knows how long against against Watford, and you know that's a little little subplot to it as well. You know, can can Sheffield United keep that form going and put more pressure on on Burnley? But you know, I think they benefited as well. You look at Paul Higginbottom last season; he sort of come in and just hit the ground running straight away. Started to have a have a sniff of the playoffs, and they've been playing this sort of. Um, you know, pressure football, pressure to get results. Last season, it was about you know pressure to keep in the in the playoff um, playoff picture. It was pretty congested last season as well. And Sheffield United showed the metal in that regard. And obviously this season, you know, the pressure for you know to finish in that in that, in that top two. There were there were a set of players who were say strong mentally, they've got strong jaws, and um, yeah, you can certainly rely on them. And really, I mean, really, you know, for a, a club in Sheffield United's position, titles are just for show. It's about getting up. But I, th- I think that that title motivation is important. Yeah, yeah. Because it gives them it gives them just something else to motivate them. I was talking about this the other week. I mean, you know, some of the best managers are great at sort of creating enemies from nowhere. I guess in Sheffield United's case, the other week it was well, everyone wants you to lose to Wrexham. Go out and show them. And. Yeah, you know, to to keep that consistency, you always have to find new things to drive them on. So to have the target of, oh, you know, Burnley have dropped two points. Can we chase them down? You know, can we can we win a win a title? I think I think that is actually, I say, while in the grand scheme of things, it isn't that important. I think it is actually quite useful in terms of getting them to where they want to be, driving them on. Because sometimes you can see, you know, when things. When things get a bit too easy, we you know we see it all the time in in games when you know teams are two 0 up and they and they chuck a lead away or you know or, or the opposition's down to ten men and 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 the side with eleven don't see it out. Sometimes that complacency can be the the, the biggest danger, but you just never get a sense around Bramble Lane, probably partly through Heckingbottom, partly through those experienced leaders in the group that it ever it ever seems to have seeped in. And uh, next on the list uh, is Hull City, who claimed a point against Stoke City in their 0-0 draw uh, before their 3-1 defeat uh, away at Norwich City. Um, 
With them now within six points of the playoff spot, uh, the job that Leon Rossini uh, has done since his arrival has been remarkable, I think. Um, can you see the Tigers sort of mounting a, a real challenge for the playoff spots um, before the season is out, Leon? Well, they're on the on the fringes, aren't they? I, I think oh, God, it changes sort of most most weeks, doesn't it? They they make oh, almost by most match day, really the the sort of makeup of the of the uh, the bottom ten. Uh, I'm sorry, the top ten. You know, down you know, if you get past Burnley and Sheffield United. So yeah, it, it's certainly fluid. I, I think if, if Hull can just keep that gap to. What, what it is at the minute, six points, and the, they're still going to have a little bit of a sniff, aren't they, really? That, I think the interesting thing for me was that, the, the, you're right to say, Mark, that they've had a tremendous time of it under under um, Liam Rossini. Obviously, the, the, the talk when he came in was you know, steadying the ship and, first of all, getting out of, of uh, relegation trouble, and they've done that and a bit more um, besides. They're showing signs of, of sorting out the home form. They've obviously won back-to-back. Uh, home games uh, against QPR and and Cardiff, which was you know just what the doctor ordered. But now that's the little bit of expectation growing, maybe a little bit more. They're not as under under the radar as as such, maybe. And they've gone to Norwich, who are obviously starting out again under David Wagner. And you know, by all accounts, they were they were well beaten. It was probably the first first time you can say that in the uh, in the reign of the senior and. It will be, uh, you know, it's a test for them and fascinating to see how they, how they hit back. They've got a home game on on Saturday against Preston. And I suppose they're another side who are in in that little bit of a of a grey area. Really, can they sort of, you know, kick on and make a push for that last playoff spot? So yeah, it'll be a bit up for up for grabs on on, on Saturday. But I think it's a good test for Hull. Obviously, they've had some pats on the back, rightly so. They've shown um, a defensive organisation and a togetherness that probably under a senior, which which wasn't there earlier this season. It was fair today. It was more a team of individuals rather than a a, a collective unit. So they've took one on the chin and they and they have to hit back. Yeah, I, I think the fact that the top two are so far ahead of the rest sort of has, has bunched up. The teams behind even more, and you know, for every championship season, there's always such a wide field, um, you know, in February as to who can who can make the playoffs. Um, but I think I think the focus for Hull really just has to be just to continue progressing under a senior, him to continue to get his ideas across, to continue his sort of process of of working out which players need to be with him for the long haul and which ones will have to fall by the wayside and really just teeing themselves up for a really strong season next season. And and if if things go ahead of schedule and, and things click and they make the playoffs, then then happy days, you know, absolutely no complaints about that. But it really, it, I think it's considering the position he inherited, I think it's more about getting them into a position where they are really strong contenders for for the playoffs next season. Uh, I would say from their from their perspective, and I say that that defeat at Norwich, you know, perhaps suggested they've got a little bit a little way to come. But you know, we shouldn't be too surprised. They've got a, a relatively new manager in terms of new to the club um, in charge. You know, they're not long out out of a transfer window. It is going to take time for for things to come together. But as Leon says, they are very definitely and quite quickly moving in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. I think they can have a bit of bit of fun, can't they? I mean, I think I don't think the yeah. chairman's totally discounted it, hasn't he? He's obviously no. they put on they put on free buses for the for the away games and suggests to me they're just wanting every little extra edge almost and, and you never know. But you know, there's there's whole no harm in having having a dart for the playoffs certainly and if they get him wonderful. But I think Stuart's right to say that. If they can finish finish the season in the last third with a with a bit of momentum and encouragement, considering where they were back in the autumn, you know, a top ten, top twelve finishes is impressive, and it all builds on on the feel good factor there, which you know it, it it has been palpable, hasn't it, since since New York was took over just over a year ago, and it would all point to a. A club being in going in the right direction, and I think with Hull, one of those, you know, if you're a team 
you know, right at the top when you're playing Hall in, you know, in, in, at the tail end of March, April, they'd be a dangerous side to face, wouldn't they? You would, you would, would have thought. I mean, I remember last last season as well when they went to Middlesbrough and, and won. And so they, they, they certainly are capable and they've just, they've just got to um, carry on as they have been because they've been oh, taking away the game against Norwich. They've been, they've been pretty consistent under Liam Messina. And I think I think the difference between Hull and and frankly most teams that we'll talk about at this time of year is because of where they are in the league. There's a bit of freedom, you know. The the the, the chairman's very you know um, tuned into looking after the fans and entertaining the fans, and and they can they can take the handbrake off a bit at, at times, you know, for for the Sheffield clubs, for Leeds, for Huddersfield, for Rotherham, for Barnsley. It's all about the results at the moment. For Hull, they they can just go out and and just play with a bit more bit more swagger and 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 try and put on a a show, whether it be for the home fans or for the you know large amount of away fans they're taking over on these on these free coaches. So yeah, as I think they hit the nail on the head. They can they can enjoy themselves a bit uh, between now and the end of the season, and and that that in itself will be important. Bring more people in the in at the gate, create a bit more excitement, just make Hull that bit more attractive a club. Uh, when they're looking to sign players next season, come and play for us. Yeah. It's good fun. Yeah. Mm. I think they've got decent squad options as well, Stuart, haven't they? When you come, mm. if you compare them to, you know, a, quite a few teams in that sort of middle region, if you like, they all have players who who they can bring on and and, and theoretically make a difference. They've got decent squad options, and uh, he's he's utilised his resources quite well in that regard. Um, Liam Senior. Well, when you go into a January transfer window and you're desperate to make your squad smaller, you yeah. know you know you know you're not light of options, are you? So again, it's it's it helps with that process of him working out, let's say who he wants to who he wants to keep on and who he needs to move on and replace. It's all yeah. I think it's all positive for Hull at the moment. Yeah, yeah. and uh, next on the list uh, is Rotherham United, who edged a little further away from the drop zone. Uh, with their nil-nil draw against Blackpool, uh, which they followed up with uh, an incredibly frustrating late 2-1 defeat against Reading. Um, looking ahead at their upcoming fixtures, can you see the Millers securing survival at the end of the season, Stuart? Yes, yes, I can. I think uh, I wrote after the Blackpool game that they've got the defensive foundation that gives you confidence that they can do it. They just don't have the attacking firepower really that makes you comf- you know it makes you really comfortable uh, that they're going to do it but um Matt Taylor's got a really good foundation in there you know I saw them keep back-to-back clean sheets against Sheffield United and Blackpool and they look really well organized you know they've got people like Grant Hall and Lee Peltier who just enjoy defending which is you know really important and increasingly rare nowadays um they just need a bit more. It's it's not even so much about finishing with them. I don't think it's more about being able to find the the final pass to create those really good chances. Um, oh, Benny looks to me a little bit off off the boil at, at the moment. You know, it's a long season; these things happen. Perhaps he needs a bit of a rest. Ollie Rathbone's really stepping up. Really seems to be enjoying uh, the captaincy, but I think he just needs a bit more help in that creative sense. I mean, they're obviously. They're obviously sort of recovering from the loss of um, Ben Wiles through injury. They're still uh, bedding in Domingos Quina, who could certainly add something, uh, you know, on his good days. Let's put it that way. In that respect, um, but above all, you know, when a, when a when a, if a new manager were, were to come into rather uh, to come into any relegation threatened side at, the, at this point, their focus would be on: we need to shut the back door. We need to secure things defensively Rotherham have, have, have done that obviously they need to keep on top of it um, but they, they've, they've, they've got that they've got that really solid foundation and that that gives you confidence that you know even on days when they're under the cosh um, they can still get things out of games which is obviously really important yeah I think I think if you look at Rotherham fifth from from bottom they would have certainly would have taken this back in Back in August, obviously started the season um, pretty well, especially at home. Obviously had some bumps in, in the road. They've shown the character as well, haven't they? They've, 
you know, all the traditional qualities we spoke and admired about Rotherham, the organisation, the spirit. That's clearly all there. Obviously, went to Bramall Lane before Christmas and won. Uh, they were on a bad run as well, weren't they? Uh, earlier early this year, and few people, you know, expected them to go and beat uh, Blackburn four 0 and and then back it up with a with a couple of really good draws against uh, Watford and uh, and Sheffield United. You sort of look at obviously it was a was a blow the other night, obviously going to going to Reading and and, and getting Andy Cavalled, if you like. But look at Rotherham's game. I think they've got something like five of the next seven are at home. And you know, being pragmatic, I think that's where I think it's at home that's where Rotherham's fates will be decided. That's where they get the bulk of, of the points. You know, they've, they've got Coventry and, and Sunderland. I think they've got to play the likes of of QPR and, and Cardiff as well. And you know, with no disrespect to those two sides, they'll the latter two sides will be there'll be games that Rotherham will will particularly target. So I, I think they're doing. I think they're doing okay and as well as can be expected. They have a decent January transfer window. They've got a, a promising young manager in in Matt Taylor. They've got some decent options, some some championship professionals who, who've been around the block. So I, I think Rotherham are, are doing okay. Yeah. And uh, finally in the championship we turn our attention to Huddersfield Town, who have announced the return of veteran manager Neil Warnock, uh, who has come out of retirement to try and salvage the Terriers' championship status. Um, what are your thoughts on him returning uh, to the club, and um, can you see him achieving uh, that goal, uh, Leon? I think he's the best best bet they could possibly have. I think he's last roll of the dice, potentially... It is obviously two. I did both the the recent games against against Blackpool and and Wigan, and both you know, desperate for for different reasons. Um, Huddersfield should have beaten um, Blackpool. Had an extra man for the second half. Um, just just couldn't ultimately you know, see it out, and it was you know, all the more goal. They'd have to score in after going back in front after Blackpool's goal, and then then blowing it again. And, and it was, I think, desperate's the only word to describe Saturday's game at at um, Wigan. Two sides who were bereft, and it was a nothing game, a classic game between two sides low on confidence and relegation six point, and nothing much happens. And it was Wigan who had the had the stronger mentality ultimately, and 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 dug out a win. That's been the sort of worrying thing from from Huddersfield in in recent times. They've been, you know, reasonably uh, competitive under under Mark Fodderingham, but you know this propensity to to you know lapses in concentration at massive moments late in games, and you know it does become dispiriting, doesn't it? And I did the the whole game as well. I think Hull scored in something like the sixth or seventh minute of stoppage time. Black, you know, what happened against Blackpool? There was the Luton game at the start of the year when Luton got the the winner late on. You know, it's all blows to. To the confidence of a of a side who've been struggling for results this season, and um, yeah, I, I sort of looked at um, they didn't actually see me, but I looked at Dean Dean Hoyle and and Dave Baldwin. They were sat in the stand at at Wigan, and I thought, you know, penny for the thoughts. The two people who you know, football people who who've been around the block. And I just sort of thought to myself, well, surely now's the time to to give Neil Warnock a call, and um, you know, thankfully they did. He's Everyone knows about what you know Neil as a, as a character and his promotion record, but you know at the latter stage of his of his career, it's it's his sort of red adair fire hat he's, he's done, hasn't it? And, and he's been in similar similar scrapes at, uh, at Middlesbrough and certainly Rotherham five or six years ago. They were in a in a in a desperate mess, pretty similar to to Huddersfield. They had a tough run in, but he got everybody together, galvanised them. You know, proper man management got everybody together and singing on the same hymn sheet, and um, you just hope everyone's safe that that he can do that. Huddersfield, and you know, look at the fixtures they looked up, but I think they've got three of the three of the first four at home, so that's a chance straight away. And um, I know Stuart will be there on Saturday against Birmingham, and um, it'll be a it'll be a cracking occasion, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, just referring back to what we said earlier about managers coming into a club with instant respect. I mean, you, you know, you, you think of things like Fergie time, which was sort of almost self-fulfilling prophecies where, you know, Manchester United go into the 90th minute of a game level and everyone expects them to, to score a goal. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a kind of that inevitability or feeling of inevitability when Neil Warnock comes into a championship club. Oh, you know, Warnock's gone in there and, and if it's a club pushing for the playoffs or a club uh, fighting relegation, they'll do it now. You know, and that and that that belief, whatever it's whatever it's founded on, can can just take a club so much further. You know, the fact that his first game is going to be at home, it's going to be full with Huddersfield fans believing in their team um, once again, not just not just hoping they can do something, and that might give them the extra few percentage points that make the difference. I mean, it's it's so ridiculously congested down down there at the league. You know, I was I was at Blackpool on Saturday when Rotherham were there. Blackpool drew the game nil nil, went bottom of the table, and yet moved a point closer to safety. You know, it, it, it is it is so tight there that it, it, it genuinely won't take much to tip no. the balance. Um and, and you know if you if you think if, if Neil Warnock was to go into another one of the teams down there in the first week of January we know how he operates. We know the sort of players he likes. He'd be looking to try and sign players like Matty Pearson, Tom Lees, Jonathan Hogg, Jordan Rhodes, Danny Ward to bring them into his squad. He, he's he's got that he's got that core already. They they are suffering a lot of big injuries, and and you know to lose Ollie Turton this week was 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 a a, a big blow. Um, that that is going to be a big a big problem for them. But you just look at that squad and you just think that feels like the sort of squad that Warnock can work with. He's obviously come to that conclusion himself and the sort of squad that will respond to his, you know, fairly unique man management style. You know, will will those that need a kick up the backside will get a kick up the backside from Neil Warnock and will respond in the right way. But he's not just... He's not just someone who handles everyone in the in in the same way. He'll also be able to get the best that I would hope out of the likes of, you know, the likes of Rodoni and and you know and and Ben Jackson and and, and Ruffles and you know Humpo and, and these and these young players around the squad as well. So I think I think there's a lot of cause for optimism. You know, I think Huddersfield fans who've been seeing them regularly could throw lots of reasons into the pot as to why it might not happen. Uh, but I, I, I just think I just think that that belief um, that that comes with appointing a manager like that re- genuinely could could tip the balance for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's spot on to say. I mean, he's got this. There's a lot of players there that that sort of fit into that Warnock ethos, aren't they? Players who've mm. been around this block, um, block at championship level. They look um, tailor made for for a Warnock um, um, survival fight. You just hope that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Michael Hellick's absence is, you know, he's back sooner rather than, than later because I think he, he's the sort of can be a big player under under Neil. You know, he'll come into his own on match days. He that's where he he excels in the dressing room. He'll lift spirits. I'm sure, you know, the, tra- the training ground environment. You know, there'll be obviously a time for business, but they'll get a bit of laughter and, and, and joking back. You know, he'll know what to say in the, in the right circumstances. And uh, yeah, everyone's on board. The, you know, the fans needed this as much as anyone did. They really obviously had a great time, at, even though it was brief at Huddersfield in the early to, to mid 90s. Obviously, bringing in Ronnie Jetson as well, who was. You know Andy Booth's minder as he was he was coming through as a young professional. He's somebody else who you know has got massive um, respect from the the, the town um, fan base. And yeah, let, let's just hope it's a it's another one of those Warnock stories like he he produced at um, at uh, Rotherham and uh, and Borough. And yeah, it made made, um, made perfect sense to um, to go for him. And you know, let's strap ourselves in and enjoy the ride. Mm. I mean, you know, another thing to say about Warner, because, 
yes, he's got all those managerial skills, but he, he's not daft as well. He, he picks and chooses the right jobs. Yeah, you know, he wouldn't have come into Huddersfield Town if he didn't think there was something there he could he could work with. So weighing everything up and the fact that there's the transfer window shut, but the players he's got, he, he a man who knows the championship like the back of his hand has has seen that there is enough there um to to get them out of it and that you know that's part of his success he he he, he picks the right jobs he's come out of retirement for this job and and don't kid yourself that this is the first job he's been offered uh since he since he finished at Middlesbrough he's turned plenty down but this one he's he's looked at it and he's thought yeah I can do something here I don't think you'll see too many I mean Huddersfield squad's quite a big one Stuart isn't it but I, I personally I don't think there'll be too many of the young kids who Will maybe get mm. too much of a chance between now and now and the end of the season. I think he'll he'll go with with with, with seniority. Mm. You know, and, and that's the point that, that, that there is that seniority there, and it's it's quality as well as as well as experience. He's obviously looked yeah. at it and thought, yeah, I can I can I can do things my way with with this squad. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised defensively, almost like a force and a half. You know, you could have once mm. Helix, you could have Helix and Lee's in the middle. I wouldn't even be surprised to see Boyle out on the on the left, and then Matty Pearson on the right. You know, you know, first about Neil's size is that he doesn't he likes them to be organised at the back, not give too much away. You know, strong at defending set pieces and and, and attacking set pieces as, as well, and um, obviously getting the, getting the ball forward to the the more creative players who who have a little bit more license then. So yeah, I, I, I think Stuart, Stuart spot on what he said there. He's as much as everybody talks about the Neil Warnock sort of myth and legend. He's not. He's also not daft, and I think he, he's looked at it probably a little bit objectively and, and, and thought what he's got there at his disposal. And uh, you know, have we got a, a realistic chance of, of survival playing the way I want? And, and um, you know, he certainly wouldn't have, have. I don't think he's just taken the job on, on sentiment. I think he, he believes that. that um, with what he's got, he can drag, you know, Huddersfield, you know, out of the mire. Yeah. And, and sentiment can't come into it for anyone. So long as they get one point more than twenty second, it, it's job yeah. done. You know, it, it, if it's if it's the worst football in the history of Huddersfield Town, and they get one point more than twenty second, brilliant. That that's that's job done. And and you know, the the, the next manager can worry can worry about yeah. the long term future of the club. They've got themselves in a in a desperate enough position that they they can't pick and choose how they do it. They just have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Some fascinating games as well, isn't it? They've got to play as it's Sheffield United and, and Middlesbrough, two of his former clubs at um, at home. I think his last away game is Cardiff, isn't it? So that'd be some set yeah. up, wouldn't it? And obviously Cardiff. Well, let's be honest. He's got 16 games to play in the championship. The chances of him not playing <laughs> quite a few of his yeah. former clubs no. are pretty slim. But yes, it's funny the way the fixture list always throws up these uh, these great games. Yeah, yeah. And he's had. A, I know he's had some run-ins with Reading supporters as well, and I think that's the last game, isn't it? And what a way to bow out if Huddersfield have um, have stayed up and, and Neil Warnock can serenade the, the Reading fans and probably like that. Yes, yes, yes. He certainly would. And uh, next we turn to League One, uh, and firstly Sheffield Wednesday, uh, who had to settle for a point against uh, Ipswich Town before playing out a convincing 3-0 victory when they welcomed Morecambe uh, to Hillsborough. Um, what did you make of the Owls' performances, and how do you see them going into their game against MK Don Stewart? They're just relentless. They're just absolutely relentless. I mean, you know, you could you could dissect the Ipswich game, and you could say, well, you know, they threw away a 2-0 lead, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I said on this podcast last week, so long as they didn't lose at Ipswich, that was always going to be a, a, a good result. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Cameron Dawson saved, saved a penalty. They got that draw, you know, good job done, basically, away from home to, to take uh, to take four, four points from Plymouth and Ipswich was brilliant. And then, you know, I saw the game against Morecambe and, and frankly, they were so dominant and scored so early and controlled the game so much that it was it was a real it was a real non-contest. But as we keep saying, it's February. These teams are competing for things. It doesn't matter how they get the job done. They are getting the job done. And it's it's astonishing. You know, they've kept 18 clean sheets this this season, that, that's a club record. You think of the players Sheffield Wednesday have had over the years. 
to break a club record like that in the middle of February mm. is amazing, really. You know, and that's that's clearly where what everything is based on this this absolute solidity at the back. I mean, you know, Morecambe were very um, unambitious in, in in how they played, but but Sheffield Wednesday just hardly gave them a sniffle all, all night long, and it was just a case of sort of them patiently waiting their, their time to to pick them off. And you know, on, on another day, talk about Hull, they could have they probably could have gone out and scored five or six, but they they've got to be conscious of the fact as well that. You know, we talk about Sheffield United's injuries. Sheffield Wednesday are having a similar amount of injuries with a much smaller squad. You know, they've they had seven out, seven senior players out before the game. So when they're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, there's a lot to be said for just winning games in a low gear, keeping something in the tank, um, ready to go again. And you know, I think the I think the efficiency and the professionalism of this team, which is unbeaten now in 18 league matches, which is another, you know, really impressive statistic, is just is just fantastic. And you know, they're they're another team. You really, having come through this Plymouth and Ipswich test, you really find it hard to see um, where they're going to stumble. And I say, I hope hope I'm not putting the mockers on them, but they they just look like a machine at the moment. They're just driving each, each, each other on, aren't they, all of them, still? I mean, mm. it, it, remarkable numbers. I mean, what, 20 goals they've conceded. Um, this season, it's it's the old adage, isn't it, that with Matthew Ferguson, I think attack wins your games, defences win your titles, and that's what it's looking like with with Wednesday at the, the minute. Yeah, they've got a, an outstanding unbeaten run at league level. That's something that they're clearly cherishing. Obviously, the, the lads at the back as well, they'll be aware of the numbers regarding um, clean sheets. And it's all its all part of the of the mix, isn't it? And, you know, so, so reassuringly strong at, at, at Hillsborough, <laughs> where they're just not giving anything away at all. And, you know, they, they've won games this season handsomely, but they've, they've won a fair few, you know, arm wrestles just, just keeping... Just keeping keeping the discipline and, and, and finding a way, and um, the, you know, title winning sides. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, not just not just playing well and taking teams to the cleaners, but you know, grinding games out. And, and Sheffield Wednesday are looking looking to be masters at that. You've got to factor in what happened last season, the massive disappointment. That'll be a, a driver as well. And you know, you look at the the points now. Was it the thirty games, a third of the season left, sixty five points. You know they're just they're just a points machine, aren't they? Really, and you know the way they're going, a good chance they could get you know high nineties, and you know that that means uh, one thing. And you know we mentioned as well about Sheffield United and 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 Burnley that little joust for the title, and you know possibly the same between between Wednesday and Plymouth. That's another dynamic as well, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it's been it's been outstanding stuff. And it's it you know it's such a collective effort as well. Say Cameron Dawson saving a penalty at Ipswich, you know yet another penalty saved from him just highlighted the contribution he's making. But you know can't forget that David Stockdale kept a lot of those clean sheets earlier in the season. You know the back five there's been so many different combinations because of all the injuries. You know you could, there's been there were sort of mutterings earlier in the season about the the centre forwards not scoring enough goals. No nobody's into double figures yet. Um, in the league, but although Michael Smith and and, and uh, Josh Windass are only a goal away, but yes, Windass has been involved in in twenty goals. I think it is when you when you count assists. Smith works so hard for the team, and you know the fact that they don't have that sort of outstanding goal scorer that they had in in, in Lee Gregory uh, last season just shows that everybody's everybody's contributing. You know, we kind of glossed over the fact that they, they missed Barry Bannon for, you know, an important ch- chunk of the season, or rather didn't miss Barry Bannon, just just carried on with regardless. There's a there's a real a real collective effort from that from that team. And I say at times it's not it's not the prettiest to watch, but who cares? You know, they've, they've just got to get back in the championship and and they are looking really, really well set to do that. Yeah. Finally for this week, uh, our attention turns to Barnsley, who claimed all three points in their 2-0 victory over Cambridge United before a 3-1 victory uh, when they came up against Port Vale, uh, with the first goal of the game being scored within a minute. 
um, with them sitting in the top six uh, with points and games in hand over those below them, uh, can you see them maintaining their challenge uh, for a playoff spot, uh, Stuart? There's no reason not not to see it, to be honest with you. They have that same, you know, they have a very similar mindset to, to Sheffield Wednesday, just clearly working on smaller resources. You know, they, Duff has a lot of those qualities I was talking about before with regards to Paul Heckingbottom in terms of just being unflappable and, and just, you know, just grinding things out. I think they're, I think they're a really... You know, impressive example in the in the way they've gone about things because you know after the after the mess last season was this could have been a really difficult season for them, but they've just they've just got their head down they've just been consistent they've done their job defensively more than anything else and again you know lots of people have chipped in with with goals and what have you they they're just they're just a model of a of a of a club not working on the same resources as a lot of the teams around them. Who are just making the most out of themselves by being really professional, really focused, and and because of that, you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't see anything derailing them. I think, it, I think, if Barnsley don't make the playoffs, it will ultimately be because there were six teams better than them. It won't be because they didn't get the most out of their squad. Yeah, I think echo what Stuart said. I mean, you look at the mess that they were last season. You know, Duff's built built a new team. There's there's an organisation, a resoluteness, a, a togetherness, camaraderie, call it what you will. You know, they've had some little bit little bumps in the road this season. I don't think they scored in. Oh, I don't, it must be only only one or two. But they're letting that run in mid autumn in in October, where they sort of couldn't score for for Toffee. Then they, they sort of got back on track. One or two questions were being asked, answered um, asked of them. Sorry, earlier this year, obviously got beaten by three at um, at, at Bolton and, and and the cup game at at, at Derby, wasn't it? And and lost at, at Charlton, but you know he's kept calm as as Michael Duff. I think January important as well. They kept the kept the best players, the Mad Mads Andersons of this of this world, Jordan Williams. That was encouraging, and uh, yeah, they're, they're showing a. Showing a strong jaw. I mean, you mentioned as well about the two Sheffield clubs how they've had one or two injury issues and they've not, um, you know, they've not affected them. And it's been it's been the same with with Barnes. They've had one or two players out uh, this season, but they, you know they've stayed on on the horse. And uh, yeah, I think it's important at the minute as well that they're getting some points because they've got some, you know, with, with respect to. One or two of the their opponents of late, obviously beaten Port Vale and, and, and uh, Cambridge recently. They also added the Accrington game as well. They've got some big hitters coming up. You know, they've got I think they've got Derby before the end of month next month. Cool, it's absolutely stacked. They've got to play Plymouth at home, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich. They've also got to go to Wickham as well. So some huge tests, but they're the test that'll that'll sit well with. With, with, with Barnsley, they've obviously got one or two, one or two players have been out, but they've got one or two coming back as well. Um, Slobodan Tedic, who had an injury, went back to Manchester City. His parent club for treatment. He's come back, and and uh, Michael Duff, he's never one to give um, false praise, praise, praise where it's earned, and apparently he's been rejuvenated in training, so it'll be interesting to see. How he fares in in the weeks ahead, but yeah, it's a it's it's an excellent story, isn't it? Barnsley, I think most people would have tipped with everything that that's gone on there a season of you know consolidation, getting back on the um, on the straight and narrow almost, but they've they've certainly surpassed past that, and um, yeah, they're handling the the heat as well, and you know there's a few teams uh, below them who who probably looked at it at the start of the year thinking you know after one or two bad results they might go to real Barnsley in. But uh, there's, there's showing the metal Barnsley and there's there's a, a real good consistency about them. YorkshirePost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobtrell, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. 
And don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.